everyone. Welcome to the Felicity Optimist versus Cynic podcast with us, your hosts, Melissa and Fish. This is a Felicity Rewatch podcast. We'll watch an episode each week and then join you here to talk about it. Just a reminder, though, before we get started, there will be some spoilers in this podcast. Who knows which episodes we'll be drawing information from. So if you haven't seen all of Felicity yet, just choose wisely. Just know going forward, we may tell you things that didn't just happen in this episode. So with that said, I am Melissa. And I'm here with my wonderful co-host, Fish. Fish, how are you doing? I'm good. I really enjoyed this, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we're ready to dive in. I carbo-loaded for today, so I feel ready. I'm powered up. I'm ready to talk about a show on a podcast. I don't know if carbo-loading helps, actually, (laughs) but I did it. Yeah, and I just ate a hamburger, so I got my protein. I'm ready to go the distance. So everybody, we're here to tell you that we are, we're committed. We're committed to podcasting and we're even doing things that may have nothing to do with good podcasting to make it happen. So let's, let's talk about this episode because this is the pilot episode. It's an exciting one to jump in. Obviously the first one, uh, the episode title was in fact pilot. It's original air date was September 29th, 1998. And the director was Matt Reeves, the writer, JJ Abrams. Obviously they teamed up to run this show and, you know, they got started by, sort of co-piloting the pilot episode. So, you know, there's a lot to talk about with this one, Fish. They packed a lot in. And uh, where do you want to start? So I had mentioned in our intro that I did not have a very good memory of the show. And I, I found that to be very true watching the first episode again. I completely forgot everything about sort of her family dynamics And so sort of wanted to jump in starting there. I had remembered that she went to school following a guy and on its own, that definitely had, you know, colored my thoughts of her, but, you know, having this, this really controlling family dynamic obviously plays a huge role in, you know, what she calls her first decision. And while, while I think the family is controlling, especially her father, the thing that I, that really stuck out to me about that was how, how honest she is. She does not have a filter. Some people call this verbal diarrhea and yeah, it is, it is constant and it is to anyone in the area so to me that actually showed that while her family was super controlling she also had this sheltered life where she could do that and she was shown love as she was growing up she feels safe enough to do that and you know i also felt that about ben he's very open he's sharing things with her he's writing in her you know, her yearbook, you know, he signs love to something. And I really think we see the difference between uh, them and Julie and the way that she communicates. And, you know, because I do remember some things about Julie, which I won't say as a spoiler, but she has been through some trauma and she doesn't just 
like say everything she's feeling every moment. She's way more guarded. So that that's sort of my kind of first impressions. And this, it feels like this is a moment when she's making her first decision. And it's also the time when her parents are basically cutting her off and creating a trauma for her kind of for the first time. And so it's going to be interesting in the next episodes, in the, you know, to see how she reacts to that and whether it does make her more hardened or I can't remember the word that, that Sally uses, but something like hardened. Yeah. I mean, Oh, you raised so many good points there. Um, you know, I think with, it's interesting that you feel like Ben is as open as her. I feel as though Ben is as open as her with her. And because she has an influence on him in this way, I think because she's showing, because Felicity is showing him it's possible to do that. I don't know if we have enough information in this pilot episode to know for sure that he doesn't do that with the other people in his life. But I, I almost feel like, she's almost bringing out in him a confidence to, to say the thing he's thinking. And I'm not sure yet if he does that in other relationships outside of her. I mean, we get the opportunity to see Felicity, Felicity interact with a bunch of different characters and she has that behavior with all of them, but we don't know for sure uh, where Ben stands with it. But I think absolutely the the theme of how your parents are influencing you or or you know how it's shaping your behavior is there for both of those characters i think for felicity you know i i really in a lot of ways related to felicity even even from this first episode although i know she's a little rougher in this first episode but this idea of like she has been really sheltered. And although she has a certain level of confidence, she has confidence that's only been supported by like when she was following her parents' vision of her. And, you know, she probably had endless support to go after the things that they thought she needed to do. But, you know, she hasn't been an independent thinker or had to be in her life because it was never really needed up until this point. And she's now in a situation where she has to figure out what she wants and figure out how to, how to navigate that and negotiate that with people who are putting pressure on her. And it's not a supportive environment for that. So as much as you're feeling that there was support on some level, it's not support on this level, I would say. So for me, uh, you know, seeing that reaction is, is really interesting. And then seeing on, on Ben's side, he feels like a very kind of isolated in a way, like he, you know, his, his mom shows up at graduation, but not his dad. And, you know, you don't really get a sense that they have a good rapport going there. So it, it feels like he, he really is more on his own and Felicity is choosing to be on her own. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. I don't know. There's some things about her and, and Ben as separate characters that I can relate to and some things that I, I absolutely cannot. I mean, it really shocked me how she was just talking about these 
deep feelings as they were coming out. And it's not just to Sally. I mean, she says that she's talking to Sally and, and she she's the only person she can really talk to. No, she can talk to anyone and does. And that is absolutely not the experience that I feel like I've ever had. Like it would absolutely would not occur to me to like someone and then go up to them at that age and just sort of tell them I followed you to school and tell them, you know, go to their apartment and yell at them and go to a random RA and, and tell them that I've broken school policy and, you know, done something I could be expelled for. Like it, I, can't even imagine doing that. So yeah, I, that's that no filter thing you were talking about. Yeah, absolutely no filter and and no reflection on what the consequences might be of revealing all of this information. So yeah, that I cannot relate to. I can relate to, you know, wanting to make make my own decisions. And I will say, you know, when I was applying to colleges, both my mother and father wanted me to go to their alma maters. And, you know, my mom did it in a very passive way. She was like, you know, just go see it. And my dad was like, I've made calls. And instead of having interviews or something like that, you know, I went to visit, you know, his alma mater. And the dean called me in and was basically trying to sell me on going to the school. And I had zero interest because of that. And it was a very, it was a very good school. And I, which I may have gone to had that not been the situation. So, you know, I get that parents want to help, but this is a point in people's lives. I think when, you know, they do want to strike out on their own. And so, you know, I fully understand that. And I fully understand it hit me, you know, when Ben was said he went as far away as possible to go to school. And, you know, yes, I also went from California to the East Coast. But then my parents also moved to the East Coast. So then when I had the opportunity to study abroad, Things like France or something, you know, Italy, these were things my parents were pitching and they were saying, oh, and we'll come visit you. And I was like, how about Africa? <laughs> and my mom's immediate reaction was no. Her, you know, first, you're not going and we're definitely not visiting. Where do you think I chose to go? I think you went to Uganda. I did. I did. And and guess if my parents came to visit. I'm going to guess no. The answer was no. <laughs> oh. L- listeners, what was your guess? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my goodness. Yeah. I mean, the decision on where to go to college for those who end up coming to that decision in their in their lives, people make it for all in all kinds of different ways considering all different kinds of factors. And it is an opportunity to make a bold decision, but based on what 
is important to you, or it's like a concrete example of how you're making decisions based on what other people want. You know, I think, I think it can go in both of those directions and you learn a lot. You can learn a lot about yourself from the process. Should you decide to unpack that at some point, it is sort of unfortunate that it gets lost on people who are often too young to unpack it initially. And then as you live a little life, maybe you look at it and have some different conclusions you draw from it, but we're pulled well, we're pulled to the school we choose for some reason and or the schools that we apply to or want to go to for some reason. And I think, you know, in Felicity's case on the surface, it's it's following this guy. But I do think it's worth saying that she you know, the 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 monologue in the opening does not portray somebody who is in any way optimistic or, or excited about life. You know, she's she's young. She has a bright future. And she hates the idea of what it's going to be. And she feels really stuck in it. And so, I mean, this idea that there's a new option, that she can create a new option for herself, I think I read it that that's just as much a pull for her as Ben himself is. Because Ben really is a symbol for her at the start of the show, more so than she doesn't know him that well. But I will say because I know you don't necessarily relate to some of that, but I do because I am also somebody who was super sheltered growing up. I almost never had social interactions that were outside of gymnastics practice or like being in class at school. So I didn't have experiences hanging out with people. I was very awkward socially. I had a really deep inner world and the things that I thought I thought deeply because I was the only, I I could only bat them around in my own head. (laughs) So I was constantly reinforcing my thoughts and I often had ways to comfort that were inside my own head. And so when I, when I wanted motivation, like I off, I've had many experiences in my, in my life earlier in my life where I deeply felt a crush on somebody for often an extended period of time. And, and it motivated me day to day. And they, they didn't know for for however long, but I have to admit, I have had the equivalent of this hallway conversation where you finally say, hey, I'm into you because you got to put it out there somehow. And maybe, maybe you think you're getting something back and maybe you don't, but you got to put it out there. And to have that person go, uh, who are you again? Exactly. <laughs> I don't know you. Uh, I've been there. I've been there. I haven't moved across country for it. So I appreciate that that might be a bridge too far for for people. But I think if you've ever had like really deep crushes in your life and no social skills to back up, she's probably your symbol, your icon of the 90s. (laughs) Okay, we're going to have to continue that uh, throughout the show because I I don't know this and I want to hear more. I have not had that, uh, that particular conversation. I mean, I've certainly had like, I'm in love with someone conversation and them say, it's not going to happen, but we knew each other really well. So yeah, I definitely haven't done the, the crush from afar and then confrontation or however you want (laughs) to characterize that you don't have social interaction like when you're not going out to parties or where you're not like hanging out with people socially what's your other option 
if it's ever going to be out there, it's the, you don't have an organic situation for it to come up. And so, you know, I think I, I kind of get that she's in that spot. And I think one of the beautiful things about, you know, the, the hard, the hard thing about watching the pilot is that it does seem there are things she does that seem a bit creepy and seem stalkerish and, and seem uh, I'm they sorry, can be a, a bit, a bit creepy. Well, it's, it's a little bit, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also think that if you're coming at it with the seeing where her character will go, she ends up being more balanced because she has an opportunity to start being around people and to like spend time with her peers and be in social situations and start navigating them. She just hasn't had that yet. So it's like, I'm, I have some, I think I probably have more forgiveness for it than you do. Fish. <laughs> I think, yeah, because I was home as little as possible. So I was out, you know, I, I would take my little brother out with me. Like I basically just tried to stay out of my house as, as much as possible. And that, uh, yeah, that involved other people. So whether it was going to the beach or going to a movie or whatever it was, I definitely, yeah, spent, spent a lot more time outside and, you know, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. I, I'm, I think this is the time when I'm going to give out our, our first award. Oh. Yeah. So uh, the award is for Creepiest Line. Uh-huh. And it's, uh, I held a pint of Ben's blood. Yeah, that was a lot, wasn't it? It was a lot. And, you know, maybe it'll be topped later. I don't know. I don't know how. But for the moment, yeah, that that went way past what i remembered of her just moving across the country i mean this is this is who she was this is something she reflected on yeah well i mean if i i appreciate that there will be people out there who feel this is beyond the pale and it's a lot it's a lot even for me i'll give you that And I also understand that very likely the only times she got out to be around people were resume building activities. So she probably only ever went out to like be part of a school club that would look good to Stanford, you know, and, you know, that's probably the only things her parents really, or particularly her dad really supported. So I don't know which of those things would have put her in connection with Ben, but the blood drive did. So it was the highlight of her life and it's creepy. I get it. I know, but I, I, um, you you know, Felicity at that point for me was sort of my ambassador. (laughs) So I give her, I'll let it slide, but we need Felicity to get on track real soon. (laughs) I just love the, uh, uh, apologetics coming from (laughs) Melissa with the, uh, holding a, a pint of Ben's blood. Just, well, she's um, sort of a proxy for me in this episode. So anything that I say against her feels like a personal <laughs> indictment. So again, I, I have not gone to these lengths, but I will say that I get like when you've got so little to go on, 
that you that you feel motivated by interactions that perhaps would not be motivating to other humans who have more social interaction than that. All right. We're going to leave that one there. Yeah. So- yeah. But I want to say though, for all of that, because it's so easy to have an opinion on, on Felicity in this, but I have to say that yearbook message that Ben wrote does, if, you know, in hindsight, looking at it, when I really sit here to try to unpack it, what was he doing? Because when you don't know somebody that well in high school, what your yearbook will say is keep in touch first mm-hmm. name, you know, it'll be like, Best of luck in the future, Ben. You know, I've got a yearbook that has all kinds of messages like that from people I knew only tangentially. And this guy put a lot of thought into his and said something substantial to her where, in my experience, people who know you at that level wouldn't write that much. So she takes it (laughs) and runs with it. And, but looking at what he actually said, it's like, oh my goodness. I mean, Fish, did you have people who were sharing that kind of level of thought with you if you only knew them as an acquaintance? I didn't really have people who were, I just, I guess, acquaintances sign my yearbook. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I guess I, I wouldn't have had the opportunity to to have that message. I there was, it was a little weird because, you know, my parents would go to social functions with the school or whatever and meet other parents of kids that I just didn't really know. And there was a moment that I remember, I don't know, my parents had gone to something and they sat next to one of the the kids in my class's parents. And this was someone who, you know, I, I probably had said hi to a couple of times and she came back my mom came back and said you know his his mom you know sitting next to his, you know this guy's mom and you know he apparently he talks about you all the time and all this stuff and i i was like really like i don't i like i probably just said hi like a couple of times. So that I, I felt was a little weird, but I also like didn't go out of my way then to like have some long conversation with him. Like we still to this day have probably only said hi to each other. So like on the one hand, I guess I can try to put myself in Felicity's shoes and say, okay, she got this longer message but I also put myself in Ben's shoes where he didn't know what he was getting into. To me, I I feel like Ben and Julie, and, and I don't know exactly what Ben's trauma is, but I, you know, you could see it with him fighting with his, his mother. I feel like the two of them just have a lot of empathy. Whereas, at least in this first episode, Noel and Felicity seem much more self-absorbed. And that moment to me was, you know, he just had this fight with his mother. It's his graduation day. Some random girl comes up to him and, you know, asks him to, to sign her yearbook. And, you know, he, first he would, he was a little snappy 
But then he actually sits down on the ground and writes something personal and, you know, just for her. It was probably the only thing that he could think of to write because he didn't know her that well, but he was trying to be kind. You know, I, I felt like it was a real moment of him just trying to be a good human. And he just, it didn't mean that. It didn't mean that much. It certainly didn't mean as much to him as it meant to Felicity. Yeah. It, it was just a moment of being a good guy. He just didn't know the consequences. Yeah, fair enough. And I think... Um... By the way, Ben's Ben's mom, uh, just as a small note here, we will see a Ben's mom in the future, and it's not going to be this woman. So the Jean St. James, I looked her up, I saw the credits, and I wanted to give her a shout out because this is your only, as far as I know, this is your only foray into the Felicity <laughs> series, but uh, we'll see more of Ben's mom in the future, and we will get more of his of his story of, of what, what his life has been like and why he wanted to move so far away. But that is something that is still to come. So it won't be a mystery forever for those who are just getting to know the show or don't remember it as well. But yeah, I mean, it's a lot, I think it's worth also kind of starting to talk about some of the new people we meet. I mean, obviously Felicity and Ben is a, a core relationship to the show because it's the one that predates college but, you know, very quickly, Felicity moves in to University of New York or whatever this university is meant to be. That's not quite NYU. And she starts meeting a whole cast of zany characters. And, uh, you know, your mileage may vary on which ones you feel most linked to. But, you know, she she meets Julie. Uh, you know, it's her first college friend. Uh, and my gosh, I remember, it's so funny when you, when you first get to college, these people that you've never met before, you very quickly find people, you know, and it's, and, and you become close quickly because you're all going through, you're, you're all in a new environment and you, you find who you find and then you get really close to them. I, I, that was my experience anyway. So I, for me, that 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 like Felicity and Julie meet for the first time felt really familiar in terms of just locking eyes with that person who's going to be a close friend from you right out of the gate. So I definitely appreciated that. And you're right. I mean, to see it open up with Julie showing so much empathy straight away, you know, she she's been through some hard stuff herself and we'll find that out as we go. But she she just slows it down for Felicity and just wants to check in on her. It's, it's the way you'd hope a friendship might start. Yeah. And I really love how she was introduced. The, the shot that they took that really, you know, close up on the face and she's blurred and then she comes into focus and they do that a number of times with her in this episode. And I really like those shots because you can see all of the emotion and what's happening, you know, and she's sort of peeking in on Felicity and, and, you know, checking in on her because I mean, she's crying in the middle of a class. Um, also something I can't imagine doing, but you know, it, it's so, 
just another kind of moment of kindness to like check in with her. And, and I think that's great. I think, so my, so I had a roommate who was wonderful. I can't remember if it was actually before, I think it was before she showed up though. I showed up first and, you know, I was playing music and I had my door open and I was hanging something on a wall and this guy walks in and I think he was expecting another guy because I was playing, uh, I can't remember if I, I was either playing Metallica or Pennywise or something like that. And I think he was just expecting it to be another guy because he walked in and kind of gave me this weird look and then was like, you know, great taste in music. And like, he was right across the hall and basically his room became the hangout for like a whole group of us. Mm-hmm. So it was just sort of that, you know, connection on something level. So I thought that was, that was really great. And I, I don't know, I, I, I just have to say, I, I love the way this show is filmed. I think we get a lot from it. Yeah, they have some really good camera angles and some choices like that. And it, it's so you were when you were saying that about your first, like one of the first friendships that you made through through just connecting over music, that one of the first people that I met in college, basically my next door neighbor, he <laughs> my first like my meet cute with him was when I was I was trying to leave to go somewhere and I was trying to lock my door and I was kind of flustered. So I started to walk away with the key a little bit in the door. And this has never happened in my life. But the key bent in the lock. <laughs> I don't know how something like this could even happen. I've lived a lot of years with this never happening again. And for some reason, he walked in to the dorm right as I was like trying to figure out what to do about my <laughs> bent key that was like partially bent right where you, you know, I wouldn't be able to open the door again. To get in. <laughs> and so I met this new friend who I ended up being pretty close with in the most random of ways, but it was like, I, I mean, this is just the stuff that bonds you because something has to right away and you're not going to be alone forever. So I don't know. These, these are the fun things, but yeah, I, I really like what they showed us with, with Julie. It feels like they're developing real people to me in this show. Um, and it looks familiar, uh, just in terms of the way they're trying to build it. I will say though, looking back at the introduction to Noel gave me a little more pause because, <laughs> I mean, first of all, who wears nightgowns in college? I'm wondering, is this, so, is this, is it just because I'm not a nightgown person? Like, am, is, is it that I've just never been a nightgown person? So is it like, if you're a nightgown person, you've always been a nightgown person since you were little? Or is it that people don't wear nightgowns in college? Uh, Fish, where do you weigh in on this one? So I will say growing up Christmas every year, my father would buy my mother and me matching floral flannel nightgowns. So this was a thing. And when I got to college and also like very much earlier, I did not wear those nightgowns. (laughs) 
pounds. <laughs> My mom always did. But, you know, probably after age, I don't know, seven or eight, I just stopped wearing them and kept getting them until I was 18. I do remember that the girls next door to me, one of them did wear nightgowns like the ones that that my dad always bought. They had like little little uh, lace frills kind of around the, the top and it, she was just cool with it. And I don't know if that changed later, but at least freshman year, she she continued to stay a nightgown person. I did not. Hmm. So, okay. So maybe this is a thing. And I just, it just wasn't in my, on my radar. Uh, you know, Hey, if you're listening, <laughs> tell it, us. nightgowns, college, is that a thing or is it not a thing? You tell me because I could be way off base here, <laughs> but, but you know, there she is in her nightgown on the phone. Uh, let's hear it for rotary phones. <laughs> that are that have wires connected to them. I think yeah, it's one of the many things about this show. Like it is of its time. It's of a specific time in what we did and did not have in technology. And you know, there she is on the phone, and and Noel decides I'm going to linger here until she sees that I'm watching her. <laughs> like he was caught. He was caught big time. Uh, you you see very early on that Noel is rather smitten with Felicity. Uh, smitten at first sight, I think, is what you might say here. Yeah, and I I don't know. I had coming into this, I had certain feelings about Ben and about Noel, but clearly having you know it being at least what two decades since I have seen this, you know, at least in the pilot. I got to say, Ben's got an edge here. I mean, Noel and Felicity are awkward in the same kind of way. Mm-hmm. And Ben is not. You know, he's got his own problems. He's got terrible self-esteem. But I, I definitely see it more this watch than I did the first time. Because I, I don't know. I just didn't think he was that great the first time around, but from the pilot, he seems pretty great. So I don't know. Now I don't know what to think. Well, and the show is still getting in its groove, right? You know, it's, it's a pilot episode. And I will say that it, to me, it did seem like this show knew a lot about what it was going to be. I mean, the, the music, the, 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 what they put out there for the characters, it's not one of those shows where you're going to get a season in and be like, wait, what happened in the pilot? Because that wasn't, who these people that's not what this show was that to me uh sometimes happens with shows because they just you know they're not sure if they're going to pick up the show and so they you know they have what they have for the pilot and then things flush out over time to me it seems like jj abrams and matt reeves had a pretty good sense of what was meant to be happening here of who these people were but there is still some development to be had in in these characters um and and we will see that so i think your your feelings on ben or noel may actually shift a little i know some people are staunchly ben or staunchly noel i'm not going to i'm not going to say that's not a thing but you know if you're really looking to track it from episode to episode you may have different reactions i think one of the things that really does stand out to me about Noel is what you said, which is he is so much like Felicity in so many ways. Like they're both awkward. They're both uncomfortable. They're, they both, 
they're both really intelligent and sometimes their brains kind of like get in the way of like real human interaction. <laughs> um, then they, it allows them to have these charming scenes like, you know, Noel trying to pep talk her into staying and talking to her about having four phone lines in her home and stay in New York or perish five, six words. You know, you have a scene like that and and you either love this show in terms of the dialogue or you hate it from the very beginning. And that sort of sets you on a path to continue watching or not. And those scenes between Noel and Felicity, there's so much, so much fun dialogue there to keep you going. So I'm going to say I'm a little ambivalent about the dialogue at the moment. I love the music, but, and, and maybe this fixes itself, you know, it is a pilot, but I feel like most of the time we have a pretty realistic view of, you know, what someone at this age might be doing or saying or thinking, how they might react to something, uh, you know, given their experience. But there are these lines and these insights that I think are way too mature for them to have at particular moments. I mean, Felicity, she, she right now at this point, I think she she's struggling and it's hard to be self-reflective and empathetic when you're struggling. And so I do think she's she comes off as really self-absorbed and she's also got the verbal diarrhea problem. But then she turns around towards the end of the episode and all of a sudden becomes really wise and reflective uh, when she's talking with Ben on the roof saying, you know, I guess this was my first real choice and it didn't really have anything to do with you, although it did. And I'm just going to have to see it as a regret and I'm going to accept that. And that is, I feel like that's too grown up for her. And also when, when Julie comes up um, to her and apologizes for being with no, uh, for being with Ben and Felicity says, you know, it just seems really important now. That's another thing that I think is too much of a shift for her to make in one episode. It's something I think we all realize that, you know, when we're younger, we think everything is the end of the world or like the greatest thing ever. You know, we're very in the moment and later we can say, okay, well, it seemed important, but to, to know it in that moment and the, what you just, the, the quote you just talked about with Noel, where he says, you know, stay in New York or perish. He's standing there and saying, you know, if, if you leave this situation, you are just going to be faced with it again in the future, which took me like 35 years to figure out. And it's actually the, it, it's part of Kabbalah, which is um, like Jewish mysticism. This idea that we come to earth to learn certain lessons and if we don't learn those lessons, then they're just going to crop up in different ways in our life until we learn how to deal with them. And so to me, it seemed like this, I don't know, either he was repeating it from someone else he'd heard it from in desperation to, to keep her there. But if it was something that he thought of himself, you know, at what was he, maybe 19, I, I just don't, maybe there are people who had it figured out. I think, well, I think that this, I think it is entirely possible for somebody who's self-reflective at any age to be able to say things like this. 
I think that even if you're self-reflective and you can say things like this, you probably don't have the full picture of what, you know, staying in New York or Parish. Okay. He understood that she was potentially running away. And, you know, I think that you can know that running away from something is not going to have the same outcomes as needing it head on would. And, you know, but he doesn't know the depth of what she's running away from or to. And she may not know that either, but you can still know that you're running away or that you're not facing a situation or that you're making a new decision. And I think there can be layers upon layers of understanding of your choices that comes out over the years. And I also, you know, was, I would say I was making choices in college or I was definitely making choices in college, but also like immediately after where I had some instinct and some level of self-awareness. And then as I got into my further into my twenties and into my thirties, I I had, I was looking at the same decisions I made with slightly new eyes each time. So it's, it is interesting. I I think it is entirely possible to have that level of self-reflection. I think what you saw as an inconsistency in Felicity in terms of like, well, how was she one way at the start of the episode and then having these wise moments towards the end? I actually see her as the person she is at the end of the episode is who she's been, but she got caught up in a whirlwind, this frenetic whirlwind of a decision. And she's just now centering back into how she would normally be. She's just starting to get her groove. And I feel like there is partway into the episode, you feel how much she's sort of sobering up. She there's, there's more of a a frenetic energy at the beginning and then more of like a gravitas that she has by the end where she's like, it's dawning on her, the, like the impact and the, the scope of the decisions that she's made. And I think she gets quieter as we go through. And to me, I feel like the quieter version that we see might be a little closer to what she's been in her life before this. So for, for me, it kind of does still track, but I might be looking at this with an understanding of who she was after the pilot. It could be because I remember zero of the next episode. So (laughs) I'm sure this, uh, you know, that could be more of who she was. I mean, another thing that they did think held true about her character, and it'll be interesting to see in the next few episodes if this changes, but we are introduced to her in a state of depression. She she says she doesn't feel anything, and that is sort of the definition of depression. She doesn't feel excited, she doesn't feel, she doesn't feel anything. And then, yeah, she gets this kind of adrenaline high from making a decision and and she goes across the country and she's feeling good about things and she was motivated and she gets there and she sees Ben kiss this girl and you just see it on her face that, you know, she's just sunk back into that same point. And it's going to be a process to kind of get out of that. And I'm going to be interested to see if they actually follow that process or if they just sort of cut to, you know, she's at a new school, everything's fine for all intents and purposes. Yeah, well, I think 
I'm glad you mentioned that because there is certainly tracks of depression, what she's describing when the episode first opens up and that's where she's, that's been her life. That is her mindset for all up until this point, right? She's describing what she feels day to day until she makes this decision. So that's, you know, it's not just, we experience it in a matter of minutes at the start of the episode, but that's been her life for, let's say 18 years or 17 years or however old she is at this moment. And so that's a, that's really a, it's a hard place to make decisions from, but then, you know, your instinct might very well drive you towards, well, what feels exciting to me? What is actually making me feel something right now? But I also love that you pointed out what you see on her face because I, you know, I'm not prepared to necessarily give awards, but if I could give awards, I would give them for looks, looks in this episode. <laughs> there are many ilks of looks that I loved that say a lot. So one of them for me was the amount of what was happening on Carrie Russell's face when Ben says, I'm kind of into Julie at Lucky Strike. <laughs> oh my goodness. Like how, how to extend all the different emotions that one might feel in that situation. So that was for sure one of them to be directly contrasted to what we saw of Megan Rotundi. Uh, we were introduced only ever so briefly to Felicity's roommate and Megan was wholly unimpressed with what she saw when she scanned <laughs> Felicity up and down. And that tells you so much of what you need to know <laughs> about Megan. I just remember loving Megan and it holds up. Like as of right now, the like three seconds we've had of her, I, I still love her. I mean, her reputation precedes her. The trappings around Megan are strong. <laughs> she's got a, she's got an aesthetic. You know who she is the most. And then, and then just, she just looks at Felicity in her little sweater and she's like, ugh. <laughs> it was brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. I mean, what an impact to make in, in just a short moment. And then, you know, also I want to say that Felicity's mother. Towards the end of this episode, there's this very uncomfortable family dinner with Felicity and her parents. And to me, everything I felt like I needed to know about what that family dynamic was read perfectly in that scene, especially when you look at the face of Felicity's mother, played by Eve Gordon. Oh my goodness. I mean, It's like, you can't tell exactly if she, maybe she's feeling a little bit of pride for Felicity and that she's coming into her own and making this sort of bold stand against her father. She herself is very quiet in that scene. You know, the the husband does the talking for her. She's not totally on board with everything he's saying and he's still doing the talking for her. And Felicity is making a very different choice from how she's chosen to handle him. And it's like on her face, you can read, there's maybe a little bit of pride, maybe a little bit of shame, maybe a little bit of like, well, that's not how I've been doing it. And it's something that for me, just, she barely even, I don't even know that she got any words. She barely got any words. It just reads on her face that you can see how much tension there is inside of her. That's not even coming out. 
but you know, she, she's working through some things, looking at how Felicity is handling this. She may or may not like them. Yeah. I also had a strong reaction to that scene and her in that scene. The moment that got me was when, when Felicity says, well, that's a decision you're going to have to make. And it pans over to her mother who just sort of casts her eyes down. And to me, that told me what her mother's reaction was going to be, which is whether I agree with it or not, I'm backing your father on this and I'm backing him over you. And to me, that is just heartbreaking for Felicity, but it's also something that I don't think was unexpected to her. I mean, Felicity had, she had looked into and secured financial aid. She didn't expect her parents to be on board with this or to support her in any way. She, she knew who they, you know, she knew who they were and she knew what their reaction was going to be. And so that is just, it's a very kind of heartbreaking moment for someone have, you know, to have to go through that. It really is. And her, her dad is who he is. He's, he wears it very openly. Her mom probably has been enabling him to be treating his daughter the way that he's been doing it. And she may or may not have come to grips with that, but it's going to have to come to pass pretty soon because it was all well and good while Felicity was just doing what they wanted her to do or doing what her dad wanted her to do. But now that she's pushing up against the edges and starting to make her own choices, that's not going to fly. And it's going to cause it, you know, if that's the dynamic you're in, it forces an enabler to pick a side and, you know, you may not love the side the enabler picks and I've been there and it's the kind of, it can actually be a harder thing to come to grips with than dealing with the person who appears on the surface to be more overbearing. It's really upsetting. And it's something that I would, I hope for Felicity as a character, like not even being a real person that she's entering into this with her eyes somewhat open to the pain that can come from it, but she's on a roller coaster now. Like it's not stopping anytime soon because she's making these choices. And it's not to say that she's making wrong choices. It's just that she's now making choices and this is the path she's on. It's going to force everybody in this trio to make new choices on the back of it. And that is never going to, that's never fun. It is never a fun process to go through. I've been there. It takes, for some of us, it takes decades to unpack it. And, you know, we're going to get four seasons of this show, but you'll, you'll definitely start to see how all of that gets resolved or which direction it heads. And for me, it, it, I don't know, that whole thing really speaks to me. Yeah. And I, I've been there as well. And it just, I feel like maybe because Felicity was so sheltered and isolated, she didn't have a lot of the things that maybe I did in terms of self-protection and learn to build your own family and hit the ground running and being independent. And that just, I think, makes it a lot easier if the main, at least people who are supposed to be supports in your life, uh, kind of pull out from under you, you then you have the ability to go out and find other sources 
of mm-hmm. support and family. And when I say family, I mean friends as well. I think yeah. she's got a tough journey. She's got a tough journey, but I do like, I like what this character is modeling in this show for those of us who have to do this kind of work in real life, because she does, in fact, she is trying to pull people into her circle. She has, you know, she has Sally, but it's hard when you're passing messages along in a dictaphone or you're dealing with snail mail. Like that's not really a very efficient or fast way of communicating if you have an emergency situation. And that's not really who Sally is for her. It's more of a reflection after the fact kind of relationship. But she's got these people now that she's starting to put into her life. And I think that's how you do it, right? I think that, like you said, starting to put these people in your circle around you and really being thoughtful about who you're putting there and what influence they could possibly have on you. I think that's where the rubber meets the road in terms of making these decisions. And uh, with that said, one of the things that, you know, I might do from time to time, notes from an optimist, something that'll make you smile. I I was just, as I was watching this episode, I was really looking at the way that she was interacting with her counselor, Papaleno. And he, you see, you see her interact with him a couple times in the episode. The first time she's perhaps a little more unwieldy. And the second time, I think she's sinking back into that depression that you were talking about. And she's realizing the gravity of her choices. And she is really, it's really hitting home for her how little confidence her parents have. They didn't think she was independently minded. They didn't think she can do it. And now she's starting to think she can't do it. And this guy you know, with just a word of encouragement, because she had left her portfolio with him at the, you know, the first time she saw him. And the second time she goes back and he says, I'm not saying you wouldn't make an exceptional physician, but you're already an artist. And, you know, she has had just not a lot of just pure support so far in this episode. There aren't a lot of people who are just trying to be there for her without wanting anything in return. And this man says something to her just as a calming influence and it has an impact. And it just goes to show you if you can just get some of these people around you and if you can just give that moment of kindness to somebody who's in a struggle, it can have a sizable impact on the trajectory that they take from that point. They may follow you to college. (laughs) It could happen. I mean... I don't know what the, you know, there could have been a spinoff right here where Felicity just like tracks him all the way home. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That's not really the vibe. Yeah. Shows Uh, up the door with, you know, some empty blood bags and it's like, want to (laughs) donate? Like this is, this is my move. These are my lines. How do you like it? So, yeah, I mean, that, that for me is, is, uh, you know, what, what can you do with a kind word to somebody at the right moment? And good thing he was a counselor, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, she needed that. Yeah. So I well, think it might be time to move to our lovely segment on Sally. Yeah, what Sally said, but what Sally really meant. Uh, that's that's what we're doing here. We want to talk about, you know, it was, Okay, so in these first couple seasons, especially in the first season, we do see this device of Felicity speaking into her dictaphone and giving Sally an update and mailing her tape and then getting a a tape back in the mail. And Sally has, has spoken into that as well. And we get this advice from her at the end. So, you know, we wanted to talk about here's what Sally actually said, but here's what she was really thinking. And 
Fish, our resident cynic, has some different thoughts on how it all comes across. So here's not what- different, Not different, the real, what she was really thinking. Yeah, okay, okay, so what she was really thinking. So so here's here's how it read on screen. So she says, dear Felicity, I'm sorry it's taken so long to get back to you. Yeah, it took me a minute. I had to call the cops, the FBI, and Interpol. I'm now an official source. My handler's hot, so please keep the tapes coming. Mm-hmm. Okay. It's been a real struggle in Santa Fe. I guess when your heart gets broken, you start to see the cracks in everything. How do I keep you talking? I'm convinced that tragedy wants to harden us and that our mission is to never let it. In other words, keep telling me everything. I'm writing a book on you. Two weeks ago, I was going to move again. I was all packed. I was going to start over somewhere new. I did. You will never be able to find me. Oh, no. Uh, That morning, (laughs) I received your first tape from college. I just sat there in my apartment, listening to your voice, crying like a baby. I was scared for my life. Suddenly, you were tutoring me. And by tutoring, I mean building a case against yourself and writing my first chapter. I guess I'm learning little by little that we decide what our lives are going to be. I've decided to be a very, very rich author. Things happen to us, but it's our reactions that matter. And for the public record, mine was to call the cops. I just want you to know, I think you've made a really great choice. And I can't wait to hear what happens. Cha-ching! Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> hot take. <laughs> that is a hot take. Uh, you have really sized up Sally from just a little bit of information. Yeah, uh, I don't she's... remember the, the next episodes at all, but I, I feel very strongly that this is, in fact, where she was going in the pilot. Okay. Well, we'll just see in episode two, <laughs> you know, if it keeps heading in this direction. Or if it doesn't, I mean, we'll find out. Mm -hmm. But this is going to be interesting to follow this this story. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I I love it. And so normally, you know, uh, we want to encourage anybody who's listening in to share feedback with us. We have a little segment that we'll call after you listen to this tape, you have to erase it. And we would absolutely love to get your feedback, answer questions, you know, and if you want to do that, I would encourage you to email us at themelissafish at gmail.com. That's Melissa with one L, two S's, themelissafish at gmail.com. And also, if you're an artist, feel free to send us your Felicity fan artwork, either one. Well, but we would love to be able to uh, get your feedback in this section here and, and, perhaps address that as it comes in for today though let's uh let's rate the episode fish uh first of all how are you rating this what is your system well being a fish i i glob you know blub, blub, blub. at least that's that's how i sound so i'm going to be rating gloves and, and uh i'm going to give this one a seven out of ten gloves because i liked it i liked the way it was shot I enjoy living in both the awkward and the creepy. So it's right up my alley. Yeah, I I think they did a good job. 
I like it. I like it. And uh, I am rating, I'm going to just write in a different system each time based on what spoke to me in the episode. So this time I want to, I want to rate it in blood drive pamphlets as weird and creepy as that may be. That's my rating system this time. And it's funny. You said seven out of 10, because I also said seven out of 10 blood drive pamphlets this yeah. episode, different rating system same rating. And I, and why did I choose that? Well, I do feel really good about, like I said, I think in many ways, the creators knew what this show was from the first episode, even though the characters will grow. The, the challenge that I saw and a reason, you know, first of all, I want room to grow with my ratings. Uh, You don't want to give a 10 out of 10 straight away. That's for sure. There's so many of the things that I love about this show that are in the first episode, but I understand that it can be hard for people to get past the setup of this show with Felicity following Ben across the country. That can be, and and, you know, some of these things that we described as perhaps being a little creepier, that can give people, it can be beyond the pale for some people. And Felicity will be more than this. She, we will love her. We will, you know, we will, we will grow or we already really enjoy the the character that we're seeing. And it's not going to be all that, but that element had to come out in this first episode because they're trying to set up the story and they're trying to set up what, what happened to bring these people together. And that's what happened. So there's going to be a little more focus on that in this episode. And I understand that it can be a hard thing to recommend to other viewers because you don't know how that, you know, your mileage may vary on how you receive Felicity. But if you stick with it, you know, you're immediately going to start getting payoff to it. The Felicity we want to know and love is the Felicity we start to get very quickly, uh, if not already. So that was why I went with a seven out of 10 for today. But, you know, how do you rate it? If you're listening in, what, do you, what did you think of this episode? Feel free to share it with us. Like I said, the Melissa Fish at gmail.com is how you get all that information to us. Uh, also, if you want to be notified when our episodes land, check out our newsletter, sign up for that or follow us on Instagram. So you can find all of those links available also from our Instagram page, because we've got a link tree uh, that is set up for it. And let us find a way to contact you. And then we will start getting that information out to you as these episodes drop. Next time, we are going to go ahead and watch episode two, which was entitled The Last Stand. And we're just going to have to see what happens in that one. It's a dramatic title for the episode. No question about it. But Fish, anything else you wanted to say as we close out here? What is our, our Instagram handle? Good question. I should be saying things like that, shouldn't I? I mean, I'm just like, find us on Instagram of all the gajillion accounts out there. Like, yeah, we are Felicity Podcast on Instagram. We wanted to make this really easy for you. It's, uh, you know, let's, let's not be hard about this. Felicity Podcast is the one that you follow and you can get all the links from there. Uh, including how you sign up for the newsletter, but it should also hopefully be in the show notes as well. So we'll get you there one way or the other. And if all of it's coming apart for you, if it's all coming apart at the seams and I haven't described this well, which I haven't, just email us at themelissafish at gmail.com and we will add you manually is what we will do. Uh, We don't want this to be hard. Okay. All of that done. That's that's the homework there. But yeah, before we close out here, was there anything else, you know, about the episode or any, any, any final thoughts that you wanted to share? 
Nope. I think that uh, that covered all my notes. Oh, I love it. Well, folks, until next time, don't hook up with Ben while I'm gone. I'm a fish. Bye. Bye, everyone.